What's up, guys? It's Matt. On this week's episode of the TKW Podcast, I chat with Kyle Maggio about the latest in the Knicks head coaching search. We talk about the latest rumor from Shams about David Fisdale. And then we anoint each New York Knick as an Avenger. So we had you guys fill out some Google Forms for us. We have some really cool responses. We'll have some funny conversation about it. While the, the main part of the season's kind of past us here and we focus on the coaching search, we figured we'd do a little something fun with the movie coming out. So without further ado, let's go. Hello, folks, and welcome to the TKW Podcast. I'm Matt Spendley, and I'm joined today by Kyle Maggio. What's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Not much. Just following this Knicks coaching search. It's been a, it's been a wild ride, you know? Had some names in there. Had a, a couple breaking news bits today. We're recording, for the record, around 6.50 Eastern time. So Shams dropped the news that David Fisdale has gain traction toward establishing the position of head coach in New York. So that news could break sometime tonight. I'd imagine that it won't, but if it does, just know if you're listening to this tomorrow that we hadn't known that yet. So we're just going to chat about that, and we also wanted to chat a little bit about, very briefly, the Mark Jackson news that came out about um, Rich Kleiman, Kevin Durant's business partner, uh, basically trying to curry favor with the Knicks brass after news had come out that, you know, Jackson hasn't been quite in the front running after he had his interview. So it's kind of felt like one of those moves where he was trying to get his name back in the news, try to see what could uh, what could latch on. Because you've had Pills, uh, Mills and Perry, excuse me, were friends with Kleiman. So they have that connection and that Kevin Durant connection is something that's always going to be there. So, Kyle, general thoughts on the couple bits of news we've had today. Obviously, I'm excited about the Fizdale thing. I know uh, everybody listened to the last podcast, and and you guys know that Fizz is... um, I think we recorded that before the Boonholzer news had come out. So, I was Fizz would have been my front-running guy. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, it's not really like... Budenholzer one, Fizdale two. It's you know either or for me. It's like a one A one B in no particular order. So I wouldn't really care. So I'm excited. I'm cautiously optimistic about that. I'd very much like to see something drop during this podcast saying that uh, the Knicks announced that they've agreed to a deal with um, Coach Fizdale. That would be something that I'd get excited about. But cautiously optimistic. Um, as far as the Jackson news that came out. And we talked about this briefly before, just via text, but I had sort of brought it up because I wanted to make sure I was reading it right, that it didn't come across as um, sort of a ha-ha Knicks moment, right. that, it, that it came across as like a, to me anyway, I thought I was reading it as Mark Jackson's crowd or people, whoever he has backing with, were kind of just releasing um, a leak, just saying like, oh, he's making yep. a, a late push. To me, that didn't sound like a, a Knicks leak. 
Yeah, I think you're 100% correct there because that's how I read it too. It was one of those things where they're trying to keep his name in there. It wasn't like they were reciprocating it and saying, oh, you know, Perry and Mills have been really excited about Mark Jackson because of their connection. I don't think that was it at all. Yeah, because we've heard these idiotic, like, Knicks rumors before where we've been like, ah, oh, shit, and then they end up doing the thing. Yeah, and, and <laughs> almost every time. Worked- <laughs> yeah, it, it, almost every time, and they've always been worded that way, where it's just like, oh, you know, James Dolan is enamored with so-and-so, or, you know, we always hear about the Knicks end of it, and this was totally, that was totally absent. So, I, I to me, I thought that was like a non-issue. I know a lot of people got a, a few cheap laughs out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy, too, with the Knicks, I get that, but this particular time, I, almost like a breath of fresh air, I saw someone mention something about Jackson, and I got worried so I scrambled to the timeline and then I, I scrolled and I found it and it was just like this is this is a, a non-issue a pipe dream like yep. he he's Durant's not going to come here we know that we know that so that's fine and uh, basically you're saying that the the risk or, or the backing for Jackson would be his ties to Durant's people which is basically the long shot of all long shot you're saying that you would have to get Jackson to maybe get Kevin Durant to leave the greatest basketball team that has ever graced the earth to come to the Knicks. So a lot of it didn't make sense. And it's the classic Knicks thing that they've done in the past too, because this is why people see something like this and they get worried. It makes sense. When you have the the biggest thing that I can remember from the past is when the Knicks drafted apparently Ronaldo Balkman because he had the same agent as LeBron, and that was going to get LeBron to come to New York. And it was sure this, was. you have to go through all these avenues to get to some conclusion that is so unlikely to happen Anyways, but we mentioned this on the pod when we talked about who we wanted to coach with uh, Jonathan Macri that we did a couple weeks ago. I think we all collectively have just an ounce more faith in this Knicks front office that they wouldn't do something like this. So I I saw this and I wasn't immediately like, oh my God, this is going to happen. And the fact that we were able to take a step back and just say, okay, this is something that's being reported and I don't think it's a lie or anything like that, but let's look a little deeper into it. It's not just the Knicks being the Knicks. We can take a step back and just look at this objectively and understand where each party's coming from. And ultimately, this coaching decision has long been one of just, they could do something so dumb, or we have the other side when they could just do something that they could go a lot of different ways and it could be somewhat smart. Like you mentioned, you'd be fine with a Fizdale, You'd be fine with the Budenholzer. I know we talked about someone like Stackhouse that we would be fine with too. There's two roads here, and the road on the right is the bad one, and that's the Jackson. You can even throw the Woodson in there. These guys that have been around the block, they they could just completely not move the Knicks forward at all, and that's not what they should be looking for here. So the uh, next avenue is the Fizdale, the Budenholzer, like we mentioned, the Stackhouse, these younger guys that have more to prove and want to come to New York and want to make these guys better. And that's the avenue they should be looking. And that seems to be the way they're going to go with the Fisdale news that came out today. Let me ask you this, right? So when you think about culture in the NBA, when I mentioned culture and, and franchises that have that, when you think of a, a good stable organization in reference to culture, what are the first three teams that come to your mind? Spurs, Warriors, Celtics, probably. Okay. Because I, 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 maybe I could open it up more. But those are fine, perfect answers. I was going to say, you always hear about like heat culture too. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's just like you want guys that are from that, which is like 
when I heard the Mike Brown news, I'm not like incredibly high on Mike Brown, but at the same time, I certainly don't think he's the worst. Like he's not Mark Jackson. He's nowhere close to Mark Jackson, in my opinion. Right. I, I think he's probably like another Hornacek level coach, like a perfectly yeah, I average. Agree. That's the thing. It just seems like a lateral move. Yeah. That's what the move is. But, but, and again, cautiously optimistic. This could blow up in our face in a matter of hours if the wrong coaching hire gets announced. But I'm cautiously optimistic because it seems like a lot of these guys that they were interviewing and all, you know, they all seem to be coming from some sort of a, a good stable culture, like a Budenholzer, you know, came from the pop coaching tree. And then he built something really great with Atlanta for a few years, even though they only really achieved uh, regular season success. Mm-hmm. Um, Fisdale got his job in Memphis because of that heat culture. Right. And Braun vouched for him. Those superstars loved him. So, and he did fine in Memphis, all things considered. And then you see Brown, I think I kind of got an interview or his name was mentioned anyway because he came from Golden State. You know, he's been there for a few years now. So, you know, um, it's, and then uh, who's the um, Celtics assistant? Uh, Larinaga, Jay Larinaga. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's like, so to me what it looks like is Perry and Co. kind of went down and were looking for the same kind of person. And I, I'm not sure why Jackson got in that, but he seems to be one of like two guys that we probably wouldn't want out of 11. Like mm-hmm. Stone Cold for sure wouldn't want. So I kind of, I guess that's what gives me a little bit more hope is my point is it seemed like they were going for culture guys and that lines up with what they've been saying to the public, which is we want someone forward thinking uh, to kind of modernize this team and this franchise. And to your culture point, it's what they said in their exit interviews. They said, we want to build a culture here. We want to do something that we can be proud of and we want to have a communication with this coach. We want them to come from a good position. And these are the candidates that you're looking at. It's a great point because you mentioned the Heat, the Celtics, the Warriors. These are the teams that define the NBA and that players love to go to, they admire, they want to go there to play. And that used to be the Knicks for reasons beyond basketball. But with the way the league has gone, players have been able to achieve a certain level of success without having access to that big market. So the culture Mm -hmm. becomes all the more important. It's a matter of, for the Knicks, washing the last 15 to 20 years of franchise just right off them. And it's not a quick process. I think they know what they need to do. It's a matter of, number one, Dolan allowing them to achieve this vision. Number two, actually following through on the things they're saying. And number three, them being smart enough to listen and understand and react to the game. It's something that, to to bring this across sports here for a second... It's a problem that I currently have with the New York Giants because they just hired a new GM who has spat in the face of analytics, made what I think wasn't the best mm-hmm. pick for a first round in Saquon Barkley, and just hasn't seemed like he's had a, a level sense of just knowing what it takes to, to build a team. And they, they've said a lot of different things. I don't agree with the things that he said. It's on Perry and Mills here to communicate and back up the things that they're saying. Because I like what they're saying. We've long said this. It's just a matter of getting it done. And the direction that they're going with Fizdale, it just seems like the direction that always made the most sense. It's, it's where they needed to go. Yep. All right. You have anything else on the coaching search before we get into the, the main event here? Um, 
I think I had one thing. I just want to see if I remember it now. So it was like it was like two minutes ago. No, just carry on. All right. So we ran another Google Forms this week. We did one last week on the history of the Knicks coaching position, which was painful. So those of you that got through it with us, thank you very much. So this week we decided to go a different direction, a little more fun, because the coaching search up until now had kind of been at a standstill. And with the big release this weekend of Avengers Infinity War, we thought it'd be fun to put out 10 Avengers and have you guys name a Nick for each one. So I have a list, Kyle has a list, and then you guys have collectively a list. So keep an eye out for these coming in the future. We're really excited to debate these now and see what you think. We're going to keep the spoilers to a minimum, so no big plot spoilers. We don't want to, if anyone hasn't seen it, we don't want to give anything away. So we can use our knowledge of these characters up until this point. We, we, we're really not going to try to put any big spoilers in here because I know Kyle and I have both seen the movie, but we want everyone to be able to listen. So requisite mini spoiler warning, just in case something slips, because I, I make the statement there, but I, I don't want to make any promises just in case. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go right down the list. We're going to say ours. We're going to talk about them. So I got 10. The first one that we're starting off with is Vision. So for Vision, I had Joe Kim Noah. The listeners have Jarrett Jack. And Kyle, who do you have? I had Joe Kim Noah. Okay, so give us your take why Joe Kim Noah is Vision. You said mini spoilers, right? Just keep it to a minimum. No big plot type of giveaways, just in case. Just be okay. a little... Step um, on eggshells a little bit. I, yeah, I, I'll go a little bit because you guys <laughs> have had a damn near full week to go <laughs> I, this. I 100% agree with this, by the way. The spoilers thing doesn't bother me as long as you're not like being obnoxious about it on Twitter. If it's this big a movie and you're worried about it, just go see it. It doesn't take that much long. We all got time. It's all right. And honestly, <laughs> and, and the smallest of side notes... I'm perplexed at how anybody was confused by the ending of this movie. I won't I, even explain the ending. I agree. Because for the love of God, and I, no spoiler on, on the plot, but a certain character explained exactly what would happen like 15 times. Like he'd talk to someone new and then be like, but why? And then he'd be like, why? And then he'd explain for five minutes why it had to be this way. And then at the end, it happened exactly that way. And everyone's like, Whoa, I am in shock. And I was like, how are you guys possibly? In-? And I thought I was confused. I looked at my best friend and I said, no. are you shocked? And he goes, no, and he said that was going to happen. <laughs> and then I go back on Twitter and everyone's like, wow. And there's all these gifts like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't believe it ended that way. Like yeah. me, my face, it ended that way. It was exactly what they said would happen. And on top of that, even if it wasn't, even if they didn't say that, you know, there's another fucking avengers movie coming out in the very near future next year so is it next year yeah next year next may it comes out so, okay so i rest my case like let's let's stop i understand we like marvel movies i understand we'll, we'll do this hype up thing like they blew us away yeah it was not a blow us away moment it just simply was not and i went to a, a late release so the crowd is all going crazy and i'm kind of sitting there looking at my friends like this is what we thought was going to happen right i was in the exact same boat and they were like what and i said guys just just relax it's yeah. it's all gonna play itself out this is what had to happen and that's what's gonna make the next one even more fun and that's what made this an objective a really fun movie i had a blast with it 
But yeah. Anyways, let's get back on track here to the yeah. actual. So so Joe Kim Noah as Vision. Vision contributed nothing, <laughs> nothing to the the entire adventure that you were on. He contributed nothing. And it's also important to remember that Vision is almost like Joe Kim Noah in that he's they signed him to this big contract. Like Tony Stark makes Vision, he's like, yo, this guy's the man. Like he creates him. And then in this movie, he just didn't do anything. So you you have him, you know he's your ace in the hole, and he just didn't come through. And th- I don't know what better sums up Joe Kim Noah than that on this big-ass contract doing jack shit. Yeah, he he did absolutely nothing. Absolutely positively nothing. The entire, <laughs> and, and I'm going to delicately walk on eggshells here. But of course. Noah has been hampered by minuscule injuries and, and drug suspensions and just getting booted from the team overall. And I felt like that was the perfect encapsulation of vision in the movie. Um, just, just useless. Just, I don't know how I was, the only thing, it's not even a spoiler. The only thing I will, I will say is he got kicked in the ribs once in the beginning of the movie. And that set sort of the standard for him, the rest of the movie. Now, what did he get kicked in? He doesn't have ribs. He's a machine. I don't know. He's a computer. So, but I think he has, he's sentient though. So I think he still has those same feelings. So even if he gets kicked, it's not like, oh, he's got a broken rib. I think it's just, oh, like a part of my body hurts because I was just kicked somewhere. I think that's the idea. He stinks. (laughs) Uh, Noah stinks. Um, And they both contributed nothing. So that is why I had that. And I will say for the listeners, I understand the Jared jacket. I do too. I I do. Okay. It makes sense. From the week before Christmas through the remainder of the season, he was absolutely ass. I understand. I had several different tweets that said the exact same thing, which was, get Jared Jack the fuck out my face. <laughs> so, I, I trust me, I understand. He was positively not as useless as Noah was. Noah wasn't even with the team the one good thing that we always can possibly hypothetically give Noah is well maybe he's a really good vet and a teammate if he's not playing and earning his money he wasn't even with the team he was away from the team not practicing nothing he contributed zero and if you watch the movie you understand that vision contributed the exact same amount my only problem here when i was doing this is that vision is just so 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 powerful but he just can't be able to use that power in this movie like we see in other movies what he's able to do and this doesn't exactly encapsulate the Knicks because it's not like Joe Kim Noah or Jared Jack or some like hidden being and you're just like oh my god what could they do if they were unleashed we know what they could do and it's not pretty it's really not but let's go to the next one so next we got Captain America we have three different answers here so I'm curious I I was shocked by both yours and uh, the listeners, because and you please explain yours first, and then I'll have to defend mine. I got my I, I was I, I was puzzled by both of those. I got my logic. So I had a few when I first looked at this that I had locked in from the get go. I knew exactly who I was going to pick for them. So the, there were some that I had to kind of stretch it a little bit and have some some scraps to pick from, and I had to come up with reasons. So for Captain America, I have Trey Burke, which. Here's my thing. So in this movie, we know after watching Civil War, Cap kind of goes away for a little while. 
He kind of slinks to the shadows. He does his own thing. But then in this movie, he comes back and he's seen so much and he's smarter and he, he becomes like a more, a more mature kind of character. And that's exactly what Trey Burke did. He came in in the beginning. He was struggling with the Jazz and the Wizards. He's out of the league. He's just away from the spotlight. And then he comes back with the Knicks and he's pretty darn good and useful. Yeah. That's my logic. Okay. Now, why do you think the listeners may have picked Ron Baker as Captain America? Uh, other than the fact that because he's white, that's probably that's, it. That's it? <laughs> I mean, okay, so there was a, I think there was a three-way tie for Captain America amongst the listeners, which was funny, but the other two had answers that were more prevalent in other characters, so they were already those characters. I think they maybe chose Ron Baker because he's... Uh, you know, he's stout, he's good defensively, he takes himself, like, seriously on the basketball court, and that's kind of what Cap is, like, he takes himself so seriously that it's kind of a joke. I don't know. I'd love to hear the logic behind that one, but I, I, <laughs> I don't know. What, what, who'd you have? I had Courtney Lee, and my logic was, okay. Cap contributed almost nothing in this movie. <laughs> Did you think basically... anyone contributed anything? I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Okay. Gap, no, like, he was a solid veteran presence, helped guide the team, but ultimately the contributions did not move the needle, and that's how I felt Courtney Lee was. Like, he started off hot, had a career year uh, for the first couple of months, and then, you know, his playing time sort of dwindled as the season kind of slipped through the, you know, cracks there for the Knicks with all the injuries and whatnot going on. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like in the time he was there, those couple of fight scenes that we saw Cap, like, oh, yeah, he came in. He, you know, he, he did a little bit of work, but ultimately it was uh, the presence of Cap that was important for the, the war that they were fighting, and that's how I felt it was with Courtney Lee. He needed some sort of steady veteran guidance, and I felt that made sense. 100%. So I don't, I, I don't disagree with uh, Trey Burke. I, I just do not for the life of me, understand um, the Ron Baker thing other than he's white. I think that's it. I really do. I just think they're like, okay, you know, Ron Baker, white. Captain America, white. I like the Courtney Lee, though, like a grizzled vet amongst some some younger guys that are coming to the spotlight, but you still need him there, which, you know, if the Knicks were any good, they might need him. But anyways, the next one is Iron Man. I had Kyle O'Quinn and... You also had Kyle O'Quinn. So would you like to give our Kyle O'Quinn take, and I'll add on to it if I need to. I I just thought Iron Man is generally, when you have Tony Stark in the movie, he's generally the funniest guy. He's witty. He's funny. Kyle O'Quinn's the same way. That was my exact reason. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's the gifts we see or um, just reactionary pictures from him or just it's just his demeanor on the court it just seems to be that way and um i mean he's also the other thing too if we're going to just try to reach out and he's also kind of a tough guy iron man is sort of uh tries to bite off a little bit more than he could chew and i feel like quinn does that a lot comes in hot uh doesn't always get the initial bucket but he's he hustles stays with it uh reminded me a lot of iron man in this movie trying to take on way more than he should have yep so Mostly him just being funny. And let's not forget that Kyle O'Quinn also loves to party. A noted bar mitzvah 
breaker. He loves those. He's the bat mitzvah man. Exactly. So Tony Stark also loves to party before he settles down with Pepper Potts. So I 100%. This was one of mine I had locked in from the beginning. Knew exactly who it was going to be. Kyle O'Quinn, he's quippy. He's funny. I feel like he would love all this technology too. And he could just like convince himself to to commit to all this. Oh, perfect choice. The listeners had Tim Hardaway Jr. Someone's going to have to explain this to me. I don't get it either. So my thing is, Timmy strikes me as not the most like eccentric guy which is kind of what Tony Stark is, and that sums up Kyle O'Quinn a little bit more. Also, Timmy's all... I don't know. He just... He doesn't have that kind of quippy sort of thing that we've talked about with Kyle O'Quinn. No one really says he's all that funny, and I like Tim Hardaway a lot. I just think there are other characters on here. I think there's at least two that make more sense than than Iron Man for him. Yeah, me and you had the same one, but for uh, Timmy, I, I may change that for the sake of... Ooh. Hot takes and debates, but okay. we'll, we'll, we can, we'll get there. We can holster that one. So, so far we have Vision. You and I both had Joe Kim Noah. The listeners had Jarrett Jack. Captain America. I had Trey Burke. The listeners had none other than Ron Baker. And you had Courtney Lee. And for Iron Man, we both had Kyle O'Quinn. And the listeners had Tim Hardaway Jr. The next couple on the list we all agreed on and I think it makes a lot of sense and I'm really glad that we were on the same page for these so mm-hmm. Thor we all had Chris Stapps about as straightforward as you're going to get the most powerful one the real cog to the team he also has gained so much character over the last two movies from Ragnarok to this Avengers where he was just like an irreplaceable part of each movie and he was funny and he contributed a lot and he was just and when he comes in in one battle scene, he basically just fucked everything up, like, as soon as he came back. And that's... It's all they needed. He's a god. And that's... He's like... That's that's basically what it is for, for Knicks fans with KP. It's it's what you need. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. I just felt the exact same way. Like, and watching Thor, too, just in, in this particular movie, that man went through a lot. To get to this movie. He did. And I feel like that was the perfect epitome of, like, KP coming into the season. Like, KP went through a lot for two straight years. Yeah. And then this year he was unleashed. And then in this movie, Thor was, in a sense, unleashed. And it, the two just coincide very nicely. And I'm not – there's no reason to even touch on the injury. It has nothing to do with this. Correct. He's done a very good season. And, again, unleashed. Both were unleashed. I think everyone's in agreement. That makes – Perfect sense, um, as does the next selection for yes. uh, Peter Quill. It seems we were all in agreement again, and, and I think it's, it's a very similar reason <laughs> as, uh, as before. So if you want to start on this one. Yeah, so we all had Michael Beasley, which I, I think I put this one in quicker than I did any, even KP. Because when I was creating this, I, I basically just took the 10 most popular ones and the ones that could define each player that we have on this list. And he just is so Michael Beasley. The things that he says in these movies, his whole shtick is it's Chris Pratt being funny, having a bunch of one-liners. I also really liked in this movie how, without any spoilers again, it's just a minor plot point that he is really intimidated by Thor the entire movie, especially his looks. And I just imagine Michael Beasley just looking around and just being like, 
Like, I, I think I'm better than these guys, but am I really? Like, deep inside himself, he's like, I know what he says, but there's got there's a part of him. Like, I, I think that the, the Peter Quill Star-Lord voice is like that little part inside Michael Beasley that he just shuts up and says, no, you cannot let anyone know that you do not think you're as good as them. But the whole character is just Michael Beasley. He's basically there for comedic purpose. And then it's also, you also get a little more character development, which we've got a little bit with Beasley this year, which has been cool to see also. But, I mean, I don't know. Did you have anything else to add? No, that kind of perfectly explains <laughs> what I was going to say. Just the com- uh, comedic relief. The beginning of the season, I said I was looking forward to three things. Frank not sucking. KP unleashed. And I didn't think this was going to be a good season for us. And we needed Michael Beasley for comedic relief. And all three of those things happened prior to KP's injury. So, um yeah, that that's basically it. He's just an hysterical guy, same way Star Lord was in the movie. So God bless them both. Yep. So the next one we got Groot. I think there was a common theme for everyone's pick. I think everyone's reason yes. was the exact same. So you wanna I'll go first. You wanna lead this off? I'll go first. I thought this was funny because I think the listeners made their pick based on the physical appearance. I think you made your pick, and I want to speak for you, almost based on the mentality and the way that he acts, maybe his emotional state in Guardians 2 and this movie. And then I kind of made my pick as more the listeners were his physical. I just kind of like the Troy Williams thing because I really wanted to see Groot dunk. And I think that would just be like a Groot versus Troy Williams dunk off. That's really what I want. Mm-hmm. And that was just what I was thinking. I couldn't get the thought out of my mind. What I was thinking when I, when I saw Groot pop up on the survey was Groot is a a good character, lovable character, but somebody ultimately in this movie that you wanted to see more out of. Mm. You know, the whole the whole movie you knew like there was a little bit more he could contribute, and he did. Won't spoil what it was, but even past that, you're just like, well, that was a flash. You know, maybe maybe we could see more, and that's how I felt about. Dame Dotson this year. He had that one little flash where he had like that 30-point outburst where he'd have a, a good shooting like quarter here and there. And it was like when we're sort of void for uh, devoid for talent at the uh, the shooting guard position, it was like you want to see more of that flash. So that's what I kind of thought um, the Dame Dotson group connection was. It was like mm-hmm. that untapped potential, that sort of hope for more. And I think that sort of uh, – but now that I'm looking at it, you know, the listeners picked Luke. Cornette, yes, and, and you pick Troy Williams, and I think that is sort of applicable to all three. I think it's all just young guys that you know maybe we we would like to see more out of. We'd like to see more Troy Williams. We'd like to see more maybe Luke Cornette. I wouldn't. I've seen enough of him. <laughs> hey, um, you relax, and, all right. And, <laughs> Take and, uh, it easy on the Luke. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, and I wanted to see more out of Dame Dotson. So it's the common um, thread for sure. Yeah. And in this movie, too, like you said, he basically is just kind of there because we all know Groot at this point. He's a really popular character from probably the best of all of these movies from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think we're viewing this through the lens of teen Groot, not full-grown Groot or baby Groot. So it was in this movie, I think any of the young guys were a fine pick. And that's I, I was glad that we had three separate ones. I was also glad no one took Isaiah Hicks because, you know, we don't need him around. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very true. All right, so the next one is Doctor Strange. 
So I had Courtney Lee for this one, as did the listeners. This was a – I seem to be in the minority here. So yes. I'd like to hear – I had trouble – this was the last one that I picked. And I had an incredible amount of difficulty picking him and T'Challa. Mm. So those are my last two. And then I figured out my T'Challa and I was stuck on Strange. So if you want to maybe give me yours and the reason uh, – the reader's rationale, I can make a little bit more sense of it. So I picked Courtney Lee for Doctor Strange for some of the reasons you picked him from Captain America, but they're different characters in the sense that Doctor Strange comes from a background where he's also been grizzled. He comes from this, he was a doctor and then he was beaten down. He, he had this terrible accident. He's had to come out of that and learn from it. And I think that Courtney Lee doesn't strike me as much as a Captain America character than someone like i mean trey burke obviously isn't the best choice either but we, we can only deal with what hand we're given here the doctor strange for courtney lee is more of just the he's always kind of even keel low-key you can rely on him at all times and i think that's kind of what doctor strange does for this group he's the guy that says the right things at the right times he's very powerful and smart and the the guy that can just bring them home when they need it so how about you how did you come to your logic here my first thing when i was trying to pick strange because i he was actually the one i wanted to pick first because i thought the dr strange standalone movie was god awful it's I thought fine it was, it's fine i don't think it's it, god awful it, it fine is code for it would be really bad if it wasn't a marvel movie oh no hold on hold on I have a debate here for you for a second. The Marvel movies... See, I view the Marvel movies through a different light because I'm a big movie guy. I view them in a different spectrum. When I see a Marvel movie, I expect to be entertained. I expect there to be plenty of plot holes and a lot of narrative devices that I don't think they use correctly. And I expect them to be shot in a nauseating manner where the fight scenes are going all over the place and I have no idea what's going on. It's fine relative to the Marvel universe. So I also think it's a fine movie... But I, I, I saw it in theaters, and the people I was with definitely liked it more than I did. And there's not any characters from that that you really are like, yeah, I want to see more of them. Whereas so many other Marvel movies have ancillary characters that we love. Like we just mentioned Groot. We know Drax is another one that gets a lot of publicity and everything like that. You have other characters from these other movies. So through that lens, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too caught up in my my Marvel hangups, which is usually, I know yes, they're, they're, they're entertaining movies, but they get far too much of a benefit of the doubt. Whereas yeah. so many other movies don't get that benefit of the doubt. I yeah. feel like every time a Marvel movie comes out, everyone immediately goes, this was a really good movie at worst. Mm-hmm. And you cannot debate otherwise. And then like two months later, everyone's just like, you know, Dr. Strange wasn't that good. Yep. And it, and it's just like rinse and repeat 19 times in a row. So I, it was, I don't think it was a good movie. I don't think it was perfectly fine, but I was not at all really pleased with it. But, but that's sort of the strange point because at first I wanted to come in to strange after watching uh, infinity war and go that whole movie, he wanted to throw hands from beginning to end. Dr. Strange was trying to throw hands. And my first thing was I wanted to pick someone who would fit that description like who was ready 
to throw hands. Almost at Ennis Kanter. Was really close to picking Ennis Kanter here. Really? Really. Because okay. whether you want to call him a try hard or not, there was a more than a few instances this year where he got in people's faces. I know he did it in Phoenix. I know the, the big LeBron incident. So at first I was like, well, if there was ever a guy that was going to throw down on this team, Cantor would be that guy. But then I held off. Because then, to the point of the movie, the first movie sucking, and then really changing my opinion of the character in Infinity War, uh, I thought for sort of the same reason that you had Burke for Captain America, that's kind of what I had for Strange. Except mm-hmm. for instead of laying low and then returning to a prominent light, I had, I thought he just stunk in his own movie and then came back and returned prominently in this one. So that's why I put Trey Burke there. Um, really was very, very close to putting Cantor here, but then I would have been lost for Hulk. So I don't know. Yep. But that's why I went with Burke. I thought he came in, solidified his, his role really well and just totally changed my perception from his old stinky perception that I had. <laughs> so... Um, I'm glad for Spider-Man we were all in agreement again. Yeah. I thought this one was like the same layup as uh, KP and Thor was. So we all picked Frank Nilakina. I think I think that was pretty obvious. We, we saw the, the newcomer who came in, uh, sort of proved his chops right away. And I, I think that's... The young that's guy clearly, that's yeah. clearly childish. He I also like the Spidey comparisons too because Spidey's... I like the. Uh, I watched this clip today of Tom Holland when he was recording the movie, or you know, they were on set, and he basically did all his own stunts. And I like that for Frank too, because like Frank's this guy; he's always committed to the defense, and he's going to do it all himself. The young guy's all you need, though. Like the the blush kid coming from like Tom Holland's this British kid that has this cute American accent. He's going to look with this baby face yeah. for like twenty years. Like he's going to be thirty nine. He's going to look fifteen years old. Yeah, he's, 20, right. he's 21 right. and he's played a 15-year-old kid in all of these movies. Which, by the way, I think there's only three or four, to your point before, Marvel movies that I consider to be really good actual movies. I think Spider-Man is one of them. I think that, Thor Ragnarok fair. is another one. And I really think... Um, I'm trying to think of the... Guardians of the Galaxy. Like I think those three stand out to me as objectively good movies that can kind of move beyond the genre a little bit and stand above the rest and black panther of course i think i would put in that group too that's fair that's fair who are you Uh, you're a noted iron man hater i don't this is the strangest thing because i don't actually hate iron man i actually really growing up in my household this is how me and my brothers did things for whatever reason in the dc world because my older brother made the rules we were allowed to have one favorite character from DC. Mine was Flash. <laughs> okay, this is adorable. So he said you can only like one superhero and that's it. We, well, we had to have a favorite. But then in Marvel, we also had to have one favorite superhero. So that way we got the best of both sides and we were both actively involved. But we all had someone who was different so we could all mix and match and enjoy. I love it. My little brother loved Iron Man. I, I mean, we all love Spider-Man the most, but then... Iron Man was like his guy. So I grew up reading Iron Man comics, like playing with Iron Man and like uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Like I have, you know, action figures of, I always loved Iron Man and War Machine and that, that whole universe. While I really liked Tony Stark, the character of Iron Man, I just thought the actual Iron Man movies were stinky. I just really thought they were not good movies. I, I, I feel like this comes up shock, some shock to people. People uh-huh. debate me on this. 
I don't think that they're very good. I think he's at his best sort of spearheading the Avenger movies. Mm -hmm. But the actual Iron Man movies, I'm never like, I don't know. I just wasn't, and and maybe I'll give him a rewatch, but I was never really blown away. I will only contest you on the first movie. The first Iron Man is really good. And it was cool for me because I was 13 when it came out. And it was really defining for me and my cousins. My cousins stayed with me all summer, and we watched the movie like five times. I think we saw it three times in theaters. And I, I think it moves a little bit, and it it established all of this, which is super cool. But I, I, two and three are not great movies. I would not even contest that for a second. But I think the thing is, I feel like one, two, and three are all mostly the same. It's just one, I think, is important because that's when Marvel stopped making, like, the 2003 Ben Affleck Daredevil movies. Yeah. And then they sort of identified as like, you know what? We're going to be less serious, less brooding. Our whole identity is going to be witty and fun and jokes. And we're going to change 70 to 80% of the comic, the actual story. And we're just going to loosely base it on it and make this about Robert Downey Jr. being a funny Tony Stark. And I think that's why it was important. uh, I guess a, a better movie than the other two for a lot of people anyway, is that, you know, it, it, that sort of significance carried. It was like, this was the identity shift. This is like, wow, we can enjoy Marvel movies again. This is something I'll look forward to. Look how funny and enjoyable and entertaining this is. Yep. So that, that that's sort of why I think the Marvel universe gets the big benefit of the doubt. But anyway. And world building is fun for any movie. That's what yes. draws people in. And it keeps yes. people excited and it has them for something to look forward to. Yes. And they've done whether you think the movies are good or not, just a ridiculously good job of establishing the storylines and keeping them moving along and connecting the movies where I think it gets really convoluted sometimes and it's really hard to keep track of, but it's something that has really tied it all together and it's obviously made them a, a ton of money. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and, and the last thing before we move on, uh-huh. um, that's actually the one thing that was always a big deal in the comics was where DC was always closed off it was like the Flash is just the Flash comics. Batman is just the Batman comics. And then in Justice League, they were just doing Justice League missions. And like their individual storylines never tied together. Whereas Marvel, to sort of set themselves differently than DC back in the day, they just opened the whole thing up. So like mm-hmm. Spider-Man would be doing something in his comics and then that would get referenced in Iron Man comics. And then, you know, Iron Man would do something to get referenced to Captain America. So they were always going on simultaneously. Whereas... The DC comics were just like, well, you don't really know exactly when each thing is happening. It's just each individual story. So that's why I think they did a, a great job carrying that over to the movies and large part why they've been so successful there. But moving on to the Black Panther, T'Challa. Yep. This was another pretty easy one for me. And it might just be because I think Tim Hardaway Jr., who's my pick, and Chadwick kind of have that. They have the similar beard and facial structure, so it's just what I thought of initially on appearance. But I also think that their build is similar. The way that they carry themselves is a little similar. It it was just, I could, the easiest, if this was going to be an actual thing, it was the easiest for me to see Tim Hardaway putting on the Black Panther suit. That's what it came down to. I was like, he could easily pull that off. That's fair. I... I didn't know what I was looking for, to be honest, with Black... This is my... My problem, I guess, is not that he doesn't have, I guess, easily identifiable character traits, identifiable character traits, but like, you know, for example, like Thor in this movie was very easy to identify. It was just like a man on a mission, unleashed, whatever. 
Iron Man's always Iron Man. He's funny. Like I felt like a lot of these were really like easy because you know it. It was like a very broad, simple emotion to kind of match up. For Black Panther, it was just like initially I had Courtney Lee for the same reasons I had Cap there. I felt like Cap and Black Panther in this one were almost the same sort of presence. Right. I felt like they're both like, hey, we got to head this thing up, you and me. We got to make this plan. We got to make sure everyone sees this thing through. And, you know, you get your people. I'll get my people. We'll figure this thing out. And so for me, it was like either one, I guess. But I just went with Courtney Lee for Cap for whatever reason. And I went Timmy with uh, T'Challa. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, if anything, sort of the same reasons uh, as Courtney Lee. He was kind of a st- he was streaky shooting for sure. His percentages were not at all great. They were in fact quite bad, but he rebounded pretty well this year. He defended pretty well this year and assist numbers or not. He actually passed really well this year um, as a playmaker. So I just felt like he was just a well-rounded and he was for what it's worth a veteran on this team. I just felt like that made sense. So if Tim Hardaway Jr. is T'Challa, what percentage of Knicks fans want to be Killmonger? Mm. Um, 60%? You think it's that much? God. Listen, listen. I remember after I think you're one, right, of the, but, one of the one of the podcasts earlier in the year, I called Timmy a playmaker, which if you keep up with basketball media in 2018, you understand playmaker doesn't mean um, 2008 Rajon Rondo averaging 13 assists. Absolutely. Playmaker just means... He's a guy who makes plays happen. It's not just assists. It's driving in, kicking, creating a bunch of spacing out for other shooters, like a hockey assist, if you will. Sometimes uh, like a, a secondary assist from the hockey assist. You know what I mean? Just creating that space, that ball movement, that flow to an offense. And Timmy did that. He would drive when he needed a guy to drive. He would shoot when he needed a guy to shoot. He would just kind of go in and try to make things happen. And he wasn't selfish at all. His numbers were terrible for shooting, terrible clips, but I felt like as a whole, he he was fine. So The most difficult part about this is that almost all of these characters, in some way, shape, or form, have leader characteristics, and that's simply not the case on a basketball team. Like, I don't think any of us really think Tim Hardaway Jr. is much of a, a leader, and that's kind of T'Challa's defining trait. But well, that, that, was, that was the struggle. Yeah, it? exactly. It's, that's what it makes was, it fun, though. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> I, I remember I told you it was we were like eight hours out from when you had set the survey up, and I was perplexed <laughs> trying to trying to fill this out. I when I, when I had texted you that I had KP for Thor, I had O'Quinn for Iron Man, I had Frank for Spider Man, and nobody else. Yep. Yep. So, uh, last one here is Hulk. Everyone was unanimous on this one as well, and this character. So makes sense about where it was going to be i this is another one i'm like a big bruising guy you could have put o'quinn here but i think o'quinn has a little more personality than the hulk and we saw some of the hulk's personality in ragnarok like he kind of busts back and forth with thor but on the same token it's just a big bruising guy that's kind of stupid <laughs> and yeah. just, it is who he is you know that's it, it was ennis Cantor. it was always going to be ennis Cantor. well th- that's kind of how i felt about ruffalo in the movie which yeah which first i thought Hulk for the exact same reasons. Kind of bruising when he wants to be. Like you think back to that Christmas Day game where he had like thirty and twenty. 
against Embiid and the Sixers. And it's like, you know, he's either imposing or he's non-existent sometimes. And that that's what he was uh, sort of vaguely in this movie. And you saw a lot of Ruffalo. And I just felt like that's – and for me, as, as just a person, I think Mark Ruffalo is a tryhard in the movies. I, I don't get the thing with him. Uh, not just the Hulk. It, this is like a lot of his movies. I don't get not like, a the vibe. Guy. Okay. Not a Ruffalo guy. Have you seen Spotlight? What is Spotlight? It's the movie it won Best Picture a couple years ago. Really good. It's about the a newspaper finding out about the uh, the priests that were molesting children. Really great movie, and he's really good in that. I will give it a watch now that you've mentioned it. I think the one of the things that I remember him in was uh, was it Can You See Me or Now You? Yeah, Now uh, You See Me. Now You See Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was in that, and, and I was just like, I don't, yeah, I can't. Right. But uh, I don't know. That's how I felt about him. He's kind of – everyone gets on Cantor for being a tryhard. I like Cantor. I, I don't hate the guy, but, yeah, I don't know. I thought that matched up. Yep. All right, let's read the list down. So for me, Vision, Joe Kim Noah, Captain America, Trey Burke, Iron Man, Kyle O'Quinn, Thor, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, Peter Quill slash Star-Lord, Michael Beasley, Groot, Troy Williams, Doctor Strange, Courtney Lee, Spider-Man, Frank Nielakina, T'Challa, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Hulk, Ennis Cantor. From the listeners, we got Vision, Jarrett Jack, Captain America, Ron Baker, Iron Man, Tim Hardaway Jr., Thor, Chris Stapps Porzingis, Peter Quill Star-Lord, Beasley, Groot, Luke Cornett, Doctor Strange, Courtney Lee, Spider-Man, Frankie, Black Panther, Trey Burke, and Hulk, Ennis Cantor. Kyle, you want to read off your list? So for my list, I had Vision was Joakim Noah. I had Captain America was Courtney Lee. I had Iron Man was Kylo Quinn. Thor was Chris Dapps Porzingis. Uh, Peter Quill slash Star-Lord was Michael Beasley. Groot was Dame Dotson. Doctor Strange was Trey Burke. Spider-Man was Frank Nielakina. T'Challa, the Black Panther, was Tim Hardaway Jr. And the Incredible Hulk was Ennis Cantor. So some in common, some we had points of contention, but that's what makes it fun. And like I was saying, with this Knicks team, defining them in these roles, not the most, not the easiest task, but so I have one final point to make. Give me your three Spider-Mans from Garfield, McGuire, and Holland. Rank them. Um, I think this is very easy. I think it's Holland, McGuire, Garfield. I it's think a no-brainer, Garfield- right? Yeah, because, listen, Tobey Maguire gets a lot of grief. Okay? I understand that he was 35 playing an 18-year-old. I understand that. But also, you have to consider the state of superhero movies at that time. And, like, Spider-Man, I remember being, I think it was 2000, and, 2000 or 2001? I think it was 2002 or 2001, yeah. Yeah, well, when it came out. And I remember I was barely 10, 10 or 11. And for me, like, all... The superhero movies that I had watched prior stunk. Like, I was hopeful, but, like, the effects weren't there at the time. Like, the budget wasn't there at the time. They were generally pretty corny. Like, The Ninja Turtles was my favorite movie for a while because... Ooh, that says a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just where superhero comics, no one cared... Uh, superhero movies, nobody cared about them. Yeah. Spider-Man came out, and it kind of changed that. So, like, I, I understand, like, when you look back, it's very easy to be like, well, look at this guy. You have a... A 40-year-old hedge fund manager playing Peter Parker in high school. And it's very easy to kind of like knock on it. I get it. It makes perfect sense. But one and two were very good movies, I thought, especially for the times. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and then I thought three. I thought three was terrible. I oh, it's bad. I really did. It, it's bad. Uh, it's really the, bad. the worst. The absolute worst casting for Venom. <laughs> it was like they were trying to piss people. Off. <laughs> they but, said, "What's that guy from the that seventy show?" Let's get I, him I, to play I, a menacing I character. You, I, I went to see this in the theater. I promise you, I actually left audibly when t- he was Topher in that seventy show. I think he was and Eric. His real Eric. name is Topher Grace. Okay, Topher, okay, yeah. so he is Topher. Yeah. So when I saw Topher Grace in his little chipmunk head pop up i audibly <laughs> laughed and i was like and because the rest of the movie i was like i can't brock was always this you know tom hardy he was always exactly this, yeah this meathead bully and it was like it was it was so stupid when but, they're in the alley and he's going to sandman and he goes i want to kill the spider you want to kill it, the spider like are you just kidding me i'm not buying this i was, was, so, was i was even younger when it came out in theaters and i was like is this for real? Like, even as a young kid, I liked it more when I was young because I liked the fight scenes and Spider-Man was always my favorite, but oh my God, just an atrocious casting decision. But yeah, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page there because I've been having a couple debates with my friends and they've been saying that Tobey Maguire was the worst one and Andrew Garfield was terrible. Those movies are unwatchable. Unwatchable. Not only was he terrible in the movie for whatever role he was trying to play, Peter Parker is not cool guy Andrew Garfield. It's just not. I don't know why they try to recast him as this cool guy. He is simply not. He is Tom Holland is probably the the perfect um, depiction of Peter Parker. I think that was the perfect representation, and I think he plays the best Spider Man because he's supposed to be. And McGuire did a decent job, but he's not supposed to be like cool and like right. smooth. He's supposed to be like quirky and weird and mm-hmm. a little bit witty at times and he comes back with some little zingers like it's supposed to be spider-man's supposed to be fun and youngish and holland get that holland's they got it i think that's perfect and then yes. McGuire and then go could not agree more i'm glad we're on the same page me too all right so with that we're gonna get out of here so keep an eye on our website and at the Knicks wall on twitter for the latest on the coaching search as the Dave Fisdale news comes out tonight that he is gaining traction toward establishing the head coach position in New York. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if that comes to fruition in the coming days. We have plenty of draft profiles coming out too. The draft lottery is only 13 days away, guys. We're getting close and the Knicks don't have a great shot, but it's still exciting to look forward to. We've had a few already on some of the upper tier guys, just in case the Knicks move up. We'll get you guys, introduce you to all of these guys, give you a little background. Um, other than that, Kyle, you got anything? I just really hope that we get David Fisdale. It would, it would really, it would really it would be nice. It would put my mind at rest. And it would make us feel just collectively better about the direction of the franchise. Not all excited, but just, okay, this is what they said they were going to do. I'm glad they're following through on that. And uh, just last thing to listeners and readers, um, Matt and I have enjoyed doing these uh, Google Forms last couple of weeks. Uh, We're going to try to keep doing them. I think we mentioned that in the last podcast, too. If you guys have any suggestions, just text, uh, not text, just tweet us, Mm -hmm. talk to us, like give us some feedback. You know, if you think you have a, a creative idea for us to do that you'd like to see, just let us know. We'll try to workshop it we're here for you guys so you know we're trying to implement new things here we're trying to you know give you guys stuff that you want to listen to so uh don't hesitate if you guys think of something if you want to hear something from us to to just let us know and we'll try to incorporate it absolutely we'd love to hear from you guys so with that being said thanks for listening and we will see you guys later kyle good night take it easy friend